Jermaine Payne is a burst of energy. Then again, why wouldn't he be? He grew up with the ambition to be a singer or an actor, or both really. His formative years were spent around his grandmother's restaurant. Little did he know, he was absorbing the fundamentals of business, even at that early age. While playing with his friends around his grandmother's restaurant was fun, Germain had his sights set on the big stage. By the time he was in his early teens, he started a soca and reggae band with said friends. They surprised everyone with their talent. Germain was one of the lead vocalists and wore his heart on his sleeve. In the world of soca music in the Caribbean's Leeward Islands, band members are akin to gladiators. They throw insults at one another during live shows and especially on record, both subtly and directly. Germain was there for it all. His love of the music and culture saw him singing all the way through his college years, often taking flights from New York back to the Caribbean just to perform. By his early 20s, Germain realized that his goals for success were not likely going to be fueled by a music career in such a small market. After landing a job as a purchasing manager at a small boutique, but dare I say uber-chic property on Anguilla, Jermaine's thoughts towards success and the direction of his career were altered. The lessons learned while scampering around his grandmother's restaurant came rushing back. Jermaine fell in love with business. After a few jobs in the hospitality industry and creating a social media marketing company, he landed on his first huge success as an entrepreneur. Squareless Property Solutions In hip-hop terms, Jermaine was killing the game. He was the go-to source for apartment rentals on the island. Jermaine, however, realized yet again that the size of the market would not continue to propel him in his intended direction. He threw caution to the wind, packed his bag, and moved to London. What happened next surprised even Germain. This is the story, thus far, of Germain Payne. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30. He is a digital marketer, man about town, and he now calls home London Town. Jermaine Payne, welcome to Planet 30. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really glad to be here, man. We're happy to have you. Happy to have you, brother. <laughs> now, Jermaine, your grandma was a restaurateur uh, back in yeah, the day. Right. How did being raised uh, around a restaurant affect your view of entrepreneurship? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is like just being in the environment and observing what she was doing, what the staff was doing, the dynamics of the business itself. I think it it helped me to look at life in a way like, whoa, like the management of stock matters. So, for example, like because 
I, I could have been in the stock room, like where it has the freezers that have all the um, frozen stuff to make the food, the drinks and stuff like that. And I'm seeing people doing the um, accounting and stuff like that. And I'm like, whoa, this, like, you know, I, for me, like, it was a normal thing. Like, I didn't even realize that, like, it's a business business. But, like I say, like, seeing that sort of stuff happen, the stock, the inventory and that stuff, uh, she doing the purchase orders and that type of stuff, it make me, like, uh, as I'm talking about it now, I realize, like, that was actually something special that now I'm using in my life because I think that in my life, like, business has always been a part of my life and that it's... It's important as if, like, it's a way of life because I feel like now that you asked me that question, I'm realizing, like, that's kind of all that I know, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of built into your psyche. Yeah, that I really wasn't expecting that. That's a, that's a good question. Wow. That's what we for a loop, like, like, wow. That's, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, well, Jermaine, welcome to Planet 30. <laughs> 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 oh. other, other than your grandmother though who else did you look up to uh as a child in terms of business oh um terms of business like you're talking about like like a, a, as a very young child like infant age like no business. no no i mean like you know oh. uh, let's say um eight nine ten eleven did you did you look up to local entrepreneurs was there someone on tv or, or maybe I, nah, I think eight, nine, ten. I was still looking at better band, man. I wasn't like, <laughs> even though, <laughs> like, like them times I was listening to better band lives. To be honest, like I didn't really, I didn't. So I'll say this: I didn't observe businesses outside of my grandmother restaurant. To be honest, okay. the, the closest business to my grandmother that, like, like I noticed was the bookstore. I don't know if you remember that the bookstore was right next to the restaurant. Yes. Yeah, so like that's that's the only other business that I really paid attention to. But in my free time, man, I was a kid. I was just playing with my friends, listening to music, and doing the things that sh- children do. No, so what I'm trying to what, what I'm trying to figure out is what was your dream occupation or career as you were coming up, even at twelve or thirteen. You know, did it? So it obviously didn't start out with business. So what was it at that time? Boy, I think I think <laughs> I think I wanted between wanted to be between a movie star and a singer, you know. To be honest, like like yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like because as I think about it now, like like you you talking about like twenty years ago, you know. So like as I because I don't I don't really go that far back. I don't think about. 20 years ago I think about like if I if I think about the past sometimes I'm thinking about um maybe like the last five years maybe 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 10 but like yeah that's that's interesting that's, well uh, yeah. the reason why I'm asking is because you know a lot of times what we see and what we do and what we experience in our younger years shape who we are as adults so I was just trying to go back to see you know what was it about your upbringing or what you saw what was it that prepared you for the career that you're in now? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, the only thing that I can say that I could definitely recall is like in terms of the marketing now, like at one point in time, I was fascinated with making money online. So I used to see the infomercials, the commercials on, on TV, 
Um, I think the internet was fairly new at that time. I used to be on the internet and just browsing around and like you get those pop-ups and you go on different sites and there'll be like different offers and things like that. And it used to fascinate me and like I, like, I was always like curious. That's, that's one thing that I could say that has brought me to where I'm at right now. Like it's just been curiosity. I'm very, very curious about things. So I researched like everything and yeah, like at I'd say around ten or eleven, like I was definitely fascinated in in um making money online, and I even asked my dad at the time. I asked him to um get me a, a domain, a website domain, so I could um uh, make money online. <laughs> and he did, he did, he did. I can't I can't remember what the domain was for some reason. My gut is telling me like it's my name or something like that, but I can't really remember exactly what it was. But I can remember buying a, a website when I was like 10, 11 years old because I can remember asking him around um, the dinner table and like, you know, telling him what I think is going to happen and what I've been seeing and I can remember him giving me his credit card to, to go ahead and do at it. 10 or 11? Yeah. Wow. That's yeah, trust. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, 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 he saw something. The average kid would have had 20 pairs of Jordans. Thanks, Dad. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I wasn't so big into into the clothes and stuff like that. But he, yo, when I when I think about it now, he definitely spoiled me because like this type of stuff that I was into, so like more like the uh, music equipment and stuff like that. I remember he was about. I can't remember why it didn't happen. I think like I grew older and then I personally didn't need it. But he was prepared to buy me a home recording studio that was gonna cost like I think it was like between twelve to fifteen hundred dollars US. Oh, and back in that time, that probably had to be a lot of money. That's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of money now. <laughs> <laughs> now, so your high school years, you were um, involved in music heavily. Tell me about that period of your life. Ah, uh, yeah. So that goes back to the better band days. Um, something that comes to mind is I can remember. I think it was like on a Saturday, I was outside of the library and. I saw Ewat Ewat Wana and Ewat Wana was selling better band CDs. And I was like, I want a CD, I want a CD. So I, I run up at my grandmother restaurant and I got some money, I bought a CD. And I like I think that's probably one of the first times I had my own better band. It was it wasn't even like their published album. It was like one of the lives. So you know they used to release like um the Juve Morning Lives and the last last lap and that sort of stuff. So it was one of those lives and I just been listening to it, listening to it, listening to it. And I guess like that's that's where it started from. Like like our culture. Like it just seemed like 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 the cool thing. Like like you gotta be listening to music and listening to better band. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. for, for the record, for the audience, you are from where? I'm from Anguilla, sir. Yeah, yeah, Anguilla. <laughs> so you know you refer to you refer to the island's culture. So I was just um, yeah, 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 Anguilla. <laughs> clarifying. So Better Band had a huge impact on your life. And am I correct? Were you a founding member, or did you eventually join the Supreme Band? Yeah. So it's interesting because. Um, it was actually two. It was two bands, right? So I was making my own band along with with Lalo, the bass man, and Kevin, and we were trying to start like our own band. And there was Sherrod Lennox. I think it was just Sherrod Lennox at the time. I'm not certain. And we just used to like. 
talk about us starting a band in terms of they're doing their own thing and we're trying to do our own thing, but then we end up merging. So I think our the name of our band, I try to remember. I think it was I think it was Supremacy or something like that, and then it turned to Supreme or something like that, and and that's how Supreme Band was found because like I said, they had their own vibe. They were trying to start their own band, and we separately were trying to start our own band. But we it ended up merging. It was like it was Lennox and Sherrod, me and Lalo, and then other guys came in as well. Got it, got it. So even at this time, music is. Prevalent in your life, you're following your 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 childhood dream. You said either actor or singer, and this was the singer coming out. Mm-hmm. And and at some point, you decided I'm going to go to college. <laughs> Where did that come from? Ah, no, you no, nah, we, we you you definitely jumped a lot um, because like. The whole band thing was several years. Even throughout college, I was still in a band life. I used to travel from from college to come back to Angola to farm and then go back to college. Okay, okay. So, so you skip a few years in no, between. Uh, uh, tell us, tell us, please, please do. <laughs> what was that yeah, life so, like? So, so the band life, uh, I think I was... I think it was around 14, 15 years old. And I played in a band from 14, 15 to about 20, I think 21 band life. So it was uh, 22, maybe even. So it was, I was actually, I don't know if you noticed, you know, Crispin, I was in like three bands. So Supreme Band was our own creation, um, the merger like we, we um, spoke about. Then there was... The promotion, I guess, to better band. Now imagine that, right. like as I the, ba- the band that oh. you revered, you ended up joining. Exactly, crazy, crazy. I, I could not have believed it, but like looking back in hindsight, now it, it's because of the desire and it's a passion. Like, like I could have probably seen myself in better band, but not realizing that if I can see myself in better band, I could actually be a part of better band, and that actually came to um fruition. And for those that don't know, Better Band was for the Leeward Islands of the Caribbean at the time. It was probably like the, I don't know, the Rolling Stones. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, that's like to people up here in the UK, if I have to explain it to somebody, like if they like want to know a bit about me, I and I have to, because I can't explain my life i can't talk about my life without talking about my history and um the band culture in angola because like that's all i knew at one point in time did angola's band culture make you more aggressive and competitive you think because it's, it's definitely a very heated environment when it comes to music and band culture on the island so did that did that lend to your competitiveness in business you think uh, uh, to my competitive in businesses, um, I'd say no. Um, like I'll say this about myself, right? I feel like me, like there's an evolution of who I am. So who I am today and the way I look at business today compared to how I used to look at it in the past is completely different. So in a band life, like if I if I just speak about the band life first, right? In the band life, I was very competitive. Like, 
they thought our band was the best. We had to be the best, and we had to perform at the highest standards. So, like, when I get on stage, I don't know if you can recall, like, I used to do the craziest stuff, Chris. When I was climbing speakers, going out in the crowd, jumping off stages and stuff like that, serenading people. Like, and I, I can't even recall if I used to see our local artists doing that. Like, when I had just started, like, like I used to do some wild things, trust me, like, <laughs> like I just I, I just used to do it because I felt like that's the standard that we had to be up on. Like if I'm looking at a performance on, on television and I'm seeing people doing like these crazy things, jumping on stage, climbing speakers or whatever, like I, I just thought that that's the caliber that I had to perform on as well and it made me very competitive and I I, I didn't take anything lightly in terms of any attacks against my band even like the funny thing is even to um better band like i ain't know how i make it in better band like that was just divine because um like there was this whole thing about like like a little rift between our band and better band as if better band was talking about whole band and one day we were out the ground it was an angola day and you know how angola day is right it was like us and maybe our other band like further up but where we was we had a lot of people there at um the venue it was um i think it was dolphins or something it was called at the time right don't stand the ground mm-hmm. and we load the jam and like tell for better band, G C F U. Yo, up to this day, I can't even believe that I actually say that shit. Like, <laughs> like oh, because I like when you talk about competitive, that's competitive. Oh, because I just wasn't like I, I wasn't leaving nobody talk nothing on our band name because they felt like our band, even though like at the time, um, like we were like because they call us a little band, like any young young up and coming bands, they call you a small band. Correct. So, so. I wasn't taking, I thought like, you know, now nah, we, we come in here and we don't own this and we come in for the first thing. We even had an arm song, tell them other bands we won't stop. We come in for that number one spot. Like th- that's competitive. Uh, transitioning into business, I would say I was competitive in business, but now like I look at business in a collaborative manner in terms of, I just, I just walk with people and I don't, I'm never competing with anybody. Like even like, you know, you have your competitors in business, but in my arena, in, in marketing, right? Marketing is, like, my experience in marketing is so beautiful in terms of marketers help each other. Like, we, we have Facebook groups. So I'm in a few Facebook groups. Some of them are paid, right? And we just help each other with strategies. Like, what strategies are working right now? And, like, like if somebody finds something, like they'll post it in the, in a group and give you like a full-blown case study of what they're doing and it's just a collaborative effort and that's how i look at at, at marketing and that's how i look at business because i don't the, the products and the businesses that i market i don't own it's a it's a partnership with the owner of these businesses so like it's just real collaborative um effort you know so it's, it's really it's really it's really different awesome awesome now jermaine how did your college experience shift your thinking. Hmm. College. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it. I mean, I had to be impacted by it. To be honest, I had to be impacted by it. Um, but 
like as I can recall now, when I think about it, I, I was so young. Like I was in I was in college thinking about Anguilla because, like I say, it, it was still band life. Like all my years in college, I was still in the band. So while I was in college, I was writing songs for Anguilla Carnival and stuff like that. So I was in college. But thinking about Anguilla. So even when I went to New York, I didn't even explore New York. Like, I was lived in New York. And, you know, I, I didn't really, went, like, I Liv- went to... Ma- living, huh? one of the, living in one of the largest cities in the world and didn't explore it. <laughs> nah, crazy, huh? Like, like, for me to say, like, I know places and spots in New York, I can't. I can't. Because I was on the campus going to school and like some of my roommates could tell you, like I'd be on the phone with Sherrod, our our keyboardist and our producer, and I'd be on the phone with him for hours, like not leaving the campus to like really go out and explore. I had a college life in inside of college, but not outside of college. So not outside of college to explore New York and see what New York is all about. So you didn't know the local club or the local bar or anything. <laughs> ah no! I, I used to go to a club. I think it was what it called. Um, I can't remember. I think it was like some kind of like they. Used to, it was a baker in the day and a nightclub at the night. I mean, on the weekends, right? And we used to go there, and they used to play um a lot of small island music. You know who used to be there? DJ two, DJ six two, and DJ Bike Man. I don't know if you you know those guys on Facebook, right? For small bike island man. radio, no Bike Man, yes. It's, yeah, DJ DJ Six Two is actually um he was a bigger DJ at that time, and he was representing the whole um small island massive with Stan Man. He was he used to have a crazy program every I think it was like every Monday night, um on it was over the internet on their um their server on the, whatever they were doing small island, and he used to play at his club on the weekend like a Friday. Man, I used to have the best time going to that because at least it was local music. It was, one time. Mom, Daddy Jones came there as well too. So you know, like I felt like I was home. These were my people, even though it wasn't Angola. Matt, one time, um, Panther song played um, backside in. Ah, oh, the Angolians went crazy, 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 crazy. Because usually we're just getting like like VI music. Like the closest thing to us would be like the VI music, and um, then like you have like Antigua and Barbados and these other places. But like closest to Angola would have been the VI music. So you know when they dropped that Panther. We had in there for ourselves, and we talking. Oh, that place wouldn't close until like five o'clock in the morning, depending on what time, what part of the, what time in the year we are. Like we coming up in the sun up. Like those used to be some good times. Wow, wow. So it's very interesting that you revered not just the band scene but Anguilla so much that you really skipped out on the on on the entire experience in New York. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, yeah, it, I, I, it's interesting because I do know other people like that, that, and not necessarily from the islands, but they maybe from a, a different town or a different state in the United States, and they go to college and they just do what they have to do and get out and go back home because they love home that much. Yeah, yeah. You know? So when you return home after college, did you have any difficulties professionally once back on the ground? So... I went off to school, you know, I, I went off to school and I, I didn't even know what the hell I wanted to do, to be honest, like, because again, the band life, right? So I had... So a what was your major? 
That, yeah, so that's what I'm getting to. Uh, business administration, so a management degree, right? So, which is quite general because it's a bit of everything, you know? So I wasn't a specialist at anything. Um, when it came back, I was I was out of work for a while. Like, I, but I wasn't even thinking about it because, again, band life. So I was doing stuff on the weekend. I wasn't worried about walking stuff like that. Um... I was, I would say, I was out of work, could, and not that I wasn't trying. I was definitely trying to get a job. Um, I think I was out of work for maybe six, six to eight months before I got my first job with a college degree, and I didn't do anything in between either. My first job was at Cove. It was a good job. I could say that much. Ah, oh, man, that was a good job. So my first job after coming back from college. Um, I worked at Cove Castles as the in the capacity of the purchasing manager. So I like, but Cove Castles is one of those like boutique type properties. So it wasn't like a lot of different layers in terms of different departments and stuff like that. So as the purchasing manager, I was like, like, like junior to the um, the CEO or the or the general manager, right? So they their their chart. Their organizational structure would have been the the general manager, the purchasing manager, who also does um accounts payable. Then you have accounts receivable, guest services like the manager of guest services, um reception, and then everything else is under there. So like um the um housekeeping and maintenance and that sort of stuff. So that was my first job in man that I love that job. That job came with parks. I felt like it was easy. I'm starting to realize so as a purchasing manager and doing um accounts payable, right? You gotta manage your accounts and whatever in terms of, you know, making sure that we're paying enough but not paying too much that we're cash trapped and then we can't get um supplies that we need to get because we're just paying out, paying out, right? What what was good is now I'm realizing that it actually comes natural to me as a cancer. So I've I've, I've read and maybe other other cancer people are whether men or women can attest to this that cancers are quite good with money. Uh, we are somewhat frugal, so that was very very easy for me to do it. it really came natural to me and in terms of the parks um so i was i think i was like 21 they were paying my phone bill they gave me a vehicle to drive they were putting gas in the vehicle like i was like this is the life <laughs> like <laughs> like i don't want to do anything else like i'm here forever like this is comfortable i mean can you imagine like you don't you don't i like i didn't own a vehicle i didn't need to own a vehicle because i had i had access to the vehicle and not just on the compound like i go home with the vehicle come back with the vehicle they're putting gas in it man that was the life <laughs> paying my phone bill so why did you end up leaving cove castles oh man yeah that was an unfortunate situation a scandal had come out with a uh, theft and stuff like that um i wasn't part of it or anything like that um but because you just want to clarify that clarify that i wasn't a part of it <laughs> say that like you know i wasn't a part of it but there was there was a theft or uh, the owners some of the owners suspect theft because the 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 accounts wasn't making wasn't making sense right and because it's a small property and then you have the owner some of the because some of the properties were actually 
owned outright by investors, right? So they had like um, a management committee and then the, the company has to report to the committee. But then after a while, so it's, it, it could have been before me, you know? Right. So, yeah, it could have been before me. So they came, they came to a conclusion that they want to stop the um, operations. They're not investing in, in the property anymore. And the property, the property closed down for a bit. So like in between that time, well, like, well, I ain't going to go back to not doing anything, living this good, lavish life. <laughs> I like got to find something else to do. But it was, it was challenging to be honest. Like I was trying to get a similar job. So for example, I'm already a purchasing manager. So I didn't want to, go and just get like an entry-level job so i was applying to other managerial positions within the hospitality industry um i didn't analyze like thinking back about it now i didn't have like tons of experiences experience in it because by that time it was only like just over a year so it ain't like i had tons of uh, 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 experience on my resume as a purchasing manager or whatever um so i didn't get a job i ended up going to work at straw hat and i ended up going to straw hat because i worked at straw hat before in the past like like this is a like, restaurant yeah straw hat restaurant this was like because um, i worked there before before i went off to college and stuff like that so when i went back there uh me and the owner, Peter Pauls, like, we're really good buddies. Um, I told him, like, this is going to be a temporary thing. I'm here to make some money. I'll do my best while I'm here. And as I get another opportunity, I'll bounce. So I was there in the capacity of a waiter. So I was there just waiting tables. And after um, I got an opportunity to go to Davida's, another restaurant, but this time, so similar to the position that I was in before, I was the purchasing manager again, um, responsible for accounts payable, but it was a small establishment. So the the um, organizational chart, again, very similar in terms of a very small company as well. Mm. So tell me something, what are some of the lessons that you'd have taken from the hospitality industry during your uh, short stint? Hmm. Okay, so I can think of this. So at, at, at Cove Castles, there wasn't like a formal introduction, and, 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 um, unfortunately. So it wasn't like I was trained heavily for the position um i had to learn a lot of the stuff that i did on my own and there was like a lot of spreadsheets like like you know you're going into purchasing right and you I, I there's a general idea of what you're supposed to be doing which is purchasing necessary equipment food and whatever resources that um the establishment need to produce the final result right so you know that you're going to be doing that and then in terms of the accounting aspect of it they were using at the time spreadsheets really and that's the only like that's the only training they got how to use the system that the spreadsheets that they already had in terms of like let's see like in terms of, um, you know, in a sort of managerial sort of, in terms of what you may think, let's say coming from college now, where 
I'm doing stuff like organizational theory and um, project management and all these different subjects. And like they showing you like organizational charts and a lot of training. Like you be there when you transition, you're gonna experience something that's quite similar where you're really trained up into the role. I didn't get much of that. Um, so unfortunately, I had to learn a lot of the stuff on my own. I didn't. I didn't. Me and the the um, general manager at the time had a good relationship and the general manager didn't make me feel as if I was doing anything wrong. So it, it wasn't like, um, I felt like, ah, I doing this wrong and I need to sharpen my skills. You know, I was just left up to what I knew from school, from college. Then, um, uh, Straw Hat, I, I learned some lessons from Straw Hat. I, I think um, being on time was important. Being exceptional in terms of offering a superb service, understand the systems in terms of their ticketing system, the way because like I even tried to introduce that to Davido because I, 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 I found that um, the Straw Hat is run on systems. Straw Hat isn't run by luck. It's everything is systemized, which I can really appreciate right now as I. As I try to uh, build systems in my own business right now as well to and see the importance of systems. So Straw Hat was systems, and you had a lunch Straw Hat systems. They um, teach you how to hold the um, hold the plates. Like like to this day, I can still remember how to hold. I could carry out six plates in my two hands from Straw Hat. Mm. Yeah, super waiter. Uh, huh? Super waiter. Yeah, yeah. Um, glasses, like I could stack a lot of glasses in my fingers. Like I know how to do that sort of stuff. Um, understanding the table positions, the seating, um, um, attention to detail because you're not supposed to allow the guests to pour their own water. Like once they request a bottle of water on the table, we're supposed to be the ones that are pouring the water. So um, the um, keeping your eye on, on detail. Um, trying to remember straw hat was a lot of 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 learning because they 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 held high standards for the level of service that they wanted their customers to experience uh davidas so at davidas was interesting as well too it was a bit more relaxed and because of my experience at at um at straw hat i was trying to like implement like some of the stuff that I saw Straw Hat was doing that I thought that they could benefit from as well and at first like like it, it, it was like it I shouldn't say at first so it was taken on board by the owners but the staff there was serious pushback from staff like staff didn't want to hear it because they thought like the way they were doing it was the best way but I, 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 I was already exposed to a way that was far more superior, you know, and like, so and, my experience... And these, were, these were the early days of Davida, though, right? Probably yeah, the yeah. first year. Uh, maybe not the first year, but this was like, uh, I think this was like 2012. Like 2012, and... Yeah, it was definitely all the days in Davidas, and no, I was just trying to help, like genuinely trying to help. But 
I ended up getting myself on the blacklist down there amongst the staff because they um they thought like you know I trying to change what their customer doing and what they what they were doing wasn't bro- broken you know um it got so bad that I I got sacked like I got fired. <laughs> wow. Um, so, so, was, how, so how did you deal with that period in terms of just in terms uh, of personally? How did you deal with that so, obstacle? So yeah, that was that was that was cool. Like I don't I don't even know like how this was in me, but like like I, I was quite resilient about it. Like I didn't just like accept it. I got fired. I know that I didn't do anything wrong at all. So what I did was I went to labor. I went to labor and I um told labor what happened and then what they did was set up uh, a meeting between me and one of the owners. And we had a meeting, and at the end of the meeting, the owner offered me my job back. So I took the job. <laughs> this is funny too. So, so here what happened with this job. So one of the persons that um one of the persons that was despising me on a job, right? I, I used to walk with a person very closely. Uh, we were in the same office together, right? <laughs> Fun, funnily enough, and I came back. Let, let, let's hope uh, they don't listen to this interview. Ah, it don't matter now. <laughs> this is like this is like like seven years ago or something like that. Um, so I um came back. I walked for because I probably wasn't even that Vitas for like like three four months before I was fired. So then and this so like let's say I got fired like January, came back uh February, and then I walked like till the end of the season. So like um like August or something like that, end of the season, right, Crispin? Uh-huh. Your boy gets promoted. So I was back in the same capacity as um, the purchasing manager. I get promoted to the finance manager now over everything. So not just not just the payables, but also the receivables as well, right? Uh-huh. And, and the person who got me out, now, I was their boss instead of them being my boss. <laughs> Crazy, huh? <laughs> so, so I guess the, the life lesson there is, is sometimes you have to you do have to stand on your own and defend yourself. Yeah, especially when you haven't done anything wrong. Especially. Interesting. So did you start social media marketing while you were at the Vita or did you leave and then start that process? Uh, I'm trying to remember, you know. I'm trying to recall if social media marketing was even before that. It could have been at the same time. I think I think it was while I was at that Vitas. Yeah, yeah. I think it was while I was at Yeah. Yeah, actually it was. Yeah. So I was at that Vitas at the same time and like anybody else trying to have a side hustle so that you can make more income. I started to do social media management and I was I was managing um restaurant pages actually. Uh, so I was at the time I think I got like four or five restaurants on the island to sign up at the time and those wasn't no easy sales crispin. Like this, when this, I, this was the early, early, early uh, days of social early. media management. <laughs> Yeah, this was way early. This is uh, we're, we're talking about 2012, and like I think social media for me was relevant because I was living in New York, so like I saw what was happening in New York, and like like and plus you're on the internet as well too, so like you see what's happening. But on on the island, like 
the restaurant owners won't want there as yet. Like they didn't see the value in it. They um thought it was overpriced for one. Um and yeah, I was giving them a service. Like I was coming by, um I was I was taking their photos of, of the food, writing the chef's um, profiles. So, like, like some of them didn't even have profiles that they could give me. So, like, I would write up their profile, mention the accolades and what the brand is about to do and, you know, all that sort of stuff. I was writing, I was managing all the posts, all the content because I was taking the pictures and stuff like that, dealing with the re- re- replies when um, guests ask a question and that sort of stuff like you know that sort of um social media content management and managing like questions and all that stuff before there was even probably a phrase called content manager (laughs) like yeah yeah i was i was an early adapter most definitely most definitely so jermaine you went from that and then real estate came knocking how did you how did you enter that arena real estate uh again youtube just Doing research, came across, uh, funnily enough, uh, Jermaine Morrison. We have the same name. You know Jay Morrison? Yeah. You- yeah. Indeed, that's indeed. Dad. Jay Morrison, yes. Yeah. I was, I was following, um, Jay Morrison and I was, I was absorbing his content, man. I was eating that up because this was his all his stages this was when he was talking about like how he just did it like he had just get to a position where he was comfortable and he was like explaining what he did and how it made him feel when he went to one of his tenants and and the um the tenant child was outside and run inside and say, mommy, mommy, the landlord is here. He was talking about how that made him feel and stuff like that. This was like his holidays, bro, holidays. But I, 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 I fell in love with his success and, and then I understood like how real estate got him in that position. So then I, I kind of got a little broader and started looking at like Grant Cardone and other people in the real estate industry, like, like real Big guys like um, moving commercial um, complexes, uh, commercial units, and he did doing um, residential and stuff like that. Like it just opened up my eyes. Like I was like, real estate is where I need to be, and I was just thinking like, how can I, how can I bring that to Angola? How can I make real estate work for me some sort of way? And and that's why too. I ended up starting with apartments. I got into apartments and I didn't go into property because like I was still looking at at, at the income um, from properties but not looking at it from a sales side of things when it comes to real estate. So Jermaine, during your time in real estate, you, you realized the need for other things and you invested in doing a GPS app for the island. Tell us about that because that was pretty groundbreaking. For the Caribbean, at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, especially. For, I I thought that that was quite needed. Like, and you know, it came to me too because not only were you hearing about guests not knowing where they're going and asking others, other locals for directions, but they were asking me too. Like, I was like constantly getting asked, like, "Oh, can you help us get to this place or that place?" Because at that time, yeah, the restaurants, huh? No, because you were at the restaurants. They, you exactly. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, you get asked for um instructions to this place or whatever. And I'm like, you know, maybe we need this. You know, because it, it wasn't something I was thinking about. It, like, 
that came out of pure necessity. I just thought like this was a service that was needed in Angola, and I was like, I'm going to do it. Find, find the it, problem and solve it. Yeah, exactly. So, oh, yeah, go ahead. Tell us, tell us about the app. Okay, so, so first, the first thing I had to do is figure out how to develop it. Right, I started research, researching online, like how to develop apps. Um, how, uh, not even just how to develop apps. I was trying to figure out how I could do it myself because I knew that I couldn't afford to make an app myself, right? So, I mean, sorry, I couldn't afford to pay for someone to make an app. So I was trying to figure out how to do it myself. Um, such, 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 such came around a solution that could have worked. So what I was doing is I was using, I think it was, I can't remember the name of the company, right? It was a app that was already developed but it allowed you as a user to put in your own your own destinations and it will sync it like it will remember it right ah. so yeah yeah so what i did was i put in after i figured out how to do it i got all the locations and then i hired someone i was using this site called um freelancer because it, it was going to be time consuming to put in like all the coordinates and, and 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 that stuff so what i did was i got all the places that i want to have inside of the app and then i, I paid the freelancer to get all the coordinates so they they got all the coordinates and then when it went inside of the app they so they got all the coordinates Put it because it has to go in a particular way. I think it has to go into like like some kind of spreadsheet that like the app would have been able to understand. No, I think it had to go to a spreadsheet and then convert the spreadsheet to some other type of file that the app could have understood. So I did that, and then after when it got in, then I had to go and check like check if the places make sense based on on the um the coordinates because the freelancer wasn't an Anguillian. I think the freelancer was from India. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, like getting an Indian person have no idea about Anguilla. They just looking at probably Google, like maybe Google Maps or something like that. And, and, um, they're placing in the coordinates of these places that I asked them to put in the coordinates of. So I had to check all the places on Google. Some places I had to actually drive for like some of the, some of the uh, villas, the private villas on the island. Hey, some of these private villas are in like the weirdest locations. Like, indeed. indeed. <laughs> so I had to, I had to like drive, especially like the ones in Black Garden. Oh my goodness. Like I didn't even know me living on an island. Didn't know like Black Garden was so deep. In terms of like how far out you could go in Black Garden when you're going over to like the sea, like over to like the rock side, like the cliff side where it has the villas. I didn't even know that, to be honest. So I had to go and check out some of the places on foot. And, and when everything checked out and was cleared, like and this was so easy to do. I was so glad that the process was so easy. So after I checked out everything, what I what I was able to do, fortunately enough, I was able to invest, I think it cost me like 3000 US dollars to buy, I think I bought like 50 phones or something like that because I just had to get the phones and then from, so, 50, no, I bought, I didn't buy 50, I think I bought like, like 30 or something like that, come up to like 3000, yeah, like something like that and bought the phones, put, the same program. So now I was doing all this stuff myself. Put all the 
put the software on all the phones and then put the 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 the, the, the what you call it like the uh, download download the um coordinates into all the units ah. so yeah so that's that's where that was um and selling it selling it was a challenge to be honest like i i saw the vision behind of it and i saw the opportunity that it had for not only myself but also for the car rental agencies i thought the best thing to do is partner with the car rental agencies because that's the hub for where people are where, where the guests are gonna get the cars from so like it's a no-brainer partner with the age the car rental agencies right i was offering them commissions i was saying i'll give you 30 percent 30 percent you know 30 percent on all sales and it's not gonna be like they ain't gonna be no little sales in terms of like you're gonna you're gonna only make let's say three hundred dollars or something like that i was like my pro projections i was showing them that my projections on my projections they could pay at least two of their staff members from the sales from the commissions because you know how they have like they might have one or two persons that help them so imagine you have this additional service that you can also offer the guests to make your company stand out amongst your competition plus as a park it can generate enough revenue to pay for your staff that help you so now everything that you get from your rental is directly from your rental and goes back to you minus your your overhead your other overheads mm -hmm. and that was my, that was my selling point and i thought like like this is undeniable that's what i thought <laughs> well, why do you think it was it was rejected and and why do you think it was rejected and how did you get over that rejection that particular I, in that case i didn't get over the rejection um so i would say it was rejected because they didn't believe it they didn't they couldn't see they they didn't believe that Angola needed it because Angola was small. Regardless, because all the cars came with a map, but a map you can't. A map ain't gonna tell you where exactly where you are, and then like give you ton by ton directions that makes you feel more confident, and not just feel confident, but gives them the the freedom to explore the island and really get a sense of Angola. Like really feel like ah, I could like if I thought about this place, like, I could really get there, get there easily. Because to me, that could enhance your experience of being in Angola. You know what I'm saying? If you like everywhere you hear about, you can easily go as often as you want without the fear of of like ah. Is it this left? Is it this right? Is it down this dot road? Do I have to go around circles twice? Like, but the owners of, of the car rentals thought that the thought that the map was adequate enough, right? But it wasn't, and I, I explained this to, to them as well. So what I said to you, and also, um, I was saying that the benefit of it as well too was that it it um. They, they can't, the, the, the users of it, of the app, they can't use their phone as GPS because they're going to get charged. Right. For so that was a benefit as one, but then two, it, it, it works as a loaner phone because there was a chip inside of it for it to get local service. So now they have a loaner phone that they could use to call anywhere. So it was like, you know, multi-purpose. Do you think six years later it would be accepted? 
You know, <laughs> I don't think so. One, one business owner met me because I was Anguilla just December past, right? And one business owner met me and he told me he heard about it and he said he wished that I had come come to him with it, right? I wish I did too because he's, he's in a very good position in terms of he has a restaurant, great position on the beach and it's quite popular, right? So he was like, man, gee, you know me. You should have come to me. We could have killed this. And I was like, bro, like, I didn't even think about that. Like, you know, like, you know, you know, like, I, I, I just thought that the best thing was to do. The car rental like, was like the logical move. As, exactly. Exactly. So he was like, he, man, he was haggling to me. He was like, man, let's, let's do this. Like, like, let's set this up again, bro. Set this up again. We're going to push it together. And I was like, bro, I think that time ain't done coming past. I don't even live in Angola no more. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. <laughs> He, he, like, he wasn't giving up. He was like, yo, we got to do this. We got to do this. Do it. He was like, take my number. He was like, y y matter of fact, you're supposed to have my number. You got my number? And I still had it. <laughs> that was funny because when I checked my phone, I was like, yeah, I got your number. And he was like, think about it and give me a call. And I thought about it, but... I was like, nah, that time done passed. Cause like, this is, this is, this is, that's how recent this is. But at a time, that was like six years ago. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So you just mentioned something, which leads me to my next question. Why did you make the decision to finally hoist sail and leave the environment of the island? I'm, I'm just, I'm asking this because if you look at, at your journey, chronologically even, you were so in love with going back home and being a part of home. Uh, that even while you were in college, your mind was on home. And then, surprisingly, you left. What What was the straw that broke the camel's back? and, and or, or the event? Or, you know, what made Jermaine Payne say, okay, I have to leave in order to pursue my dreams? Uh, I would say, right, it's my belief in myself and my projection of where my life can be. So things were okay with Squareless, the other business, the rentals. We didn't even get to talk much about that. But I was starting to make some money in Squareless. A little bit of money, like, you know, some decent money. Some months were, like, really good, like, few months salary. Some months, a single month. And... Uh, uh, yeah, this is cool. This is cool. A uh, five grand here, ten grand there. Like, well, cool, not to cut, not to cut you off, but if I recall, yeah, you had the first rental database on the island. Am I correct? I didn't have the first because then I thought that I did. To be honest, I thought that I did, and then I realized that there was a next one. So what I did, though, I had the first for locals basically, because there was a next one that was for college students, but locals had no idea about it, including myself. Ah, uh, okay. So it was there for the college students, and only the college students knew about it. No, like I don't even think to this day locals really knew about it, and the person that was doing that at that time, they don't even do it anymore. No. So, locals definitely won't know about it now. Like, there was that, and that was for for the college students that was coming in at St. James, and there was my platform that was 
all for the locals. And it's probably good that I didn't know about it because if I knew about it, I probably would not do it. And if I didn't do it, I don't mean that the locals would have then know about it because, like I say, up to this day, a lot of people probably still don't know about it. Right, right. So sorry, not to, sorry for cutting you off, but back, back to back to your jump to London. Yeah. So it was it was just me, like looking at projections, looking at what the business is doing, what the limitations are with the business in terms of growth, what are my ambitions, and can I realistically hit my goals that I have for myself in Anguilla and with the business model that I was doing. And even if like I was going to do another business model, like I, at the time, I guess too, I wasn't thinking about another business model. Maybe I just, I think it was more about what was happening right there. And in terms of the projection for that business model, I said, nah, like I, I can do this for the next five years, but I don't want to see growing further than further than what it is so for example i can make i could make let's say and I, I don't think i would make like 10 grand every single every single month but it was there were the months when i could have do that right but i was like just like the high season not a high season going into the high season when the hotels were making the transition and new managers were coming in because that's where i would get a better commission when i write when I rent a property that's at a higher price, when I'm renting the local properties, like a local property would give me a commission of maybe like, like 200, $200 or something like that. And then they got to rent like in a month. It started slow. It definitely started slow, but in a month I could have rent like maybe I'd say between eight to 13 a month. And that wasn't, that wasn't nothing for me to talk about after being, um, exposed to like what Jay Morrison was doing and especially like Grand Cardone and stuff like that. Like I was thinking huge. I was thinking big, big numbers, big ton of wrong and whatever. And I, I just didn't see that in Angola. So that's where I decided like I need to take my chances somewhere else. And before moving to the UK, I was looking into this um, property strategy that they use up here called rent to rent. So before I even moved to the UK, I was already like, 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 I was downloading a plethora of of um, content about the rent-to-rent strategy and how it works and stuff like that. So I knew what I was going to do in the UK before I got there. Ah, and and how did that turn out? It didn't. It didn't. It didn't go as planned. The reason I say the reason why it didn't go as planned is because coming to the UK, I didn't have no sort of network like zero like back home everybody knows me and that could have helped influence certain things but over here in the uk like i didn't know nobody <laughs> nobody didn't know me so it was extremely hard to build because over here is like you either need you need to know people or you need to have the resources and i didn't have both and networking so, is very important in business yeah definitely definitely Definitely. So, yeah, it was like it, it 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 was ambitious, but it wasn't well thought out. Like I like at the time, like I just thought that I could do anything. Like I I just thought like I can go to the UK and I can jump in this rent to rent um this rent to rent strategy and I can kill it. So 
I saved some money before coming to the UK, and I paid like like I paid a lot to do um a course. Like I think it was like four grand, oh four 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 thousand pounds. Ooh. Yeah, to 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 go into a rent to rent strategy. This was like a like a a, a seminar. This was a three day seminar, and then like you get to keep all the materials that they they give you during the, the seminar. So like the tapes, the books, and that sort of stuff. But even though I did that, still didn't have the resources resources on network because that was a big investment and the way they were selling the rent to rent it was as if like you didn't have to put much money into it but then i later realized that that was a lie like i would say rent to rent if you're gonna apply that strategy i'd say you need at least so i paid four grand to to get trained in the strategy but then i would still need an additional six to ten grand to like get my first property Wow, and that's a tall order when you're just starting out. Exactly, exactly. So that's what I I didn't realize because from the way the way they was talking about it, they made it seem as if like you could do it with at least like two grand. So the initial the initial four grand that I paid plus like another two grand, and I would have been okay. Now that seems more achievable, but another six to ten grand. Nah, I couldn't. I I, I couldn't reach. Mm. Always read the fine print. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. So tell us about tell us about setting up uh, a company in in Europe. Um, what after your experience with the real estate situation, uh, a whole new world opened up to you, and this is where you are now. Uh, yeah, digital marketing. Know. Tell what yes, what sir. is what is digital marketing exactly for those that don't know? I mean, digital marketing is still marketing, but they put digital in front of it so that because it applies to like using the smartphones, using the computer and 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 tablets, but is is just marketing over the internet opposed to traditional means like um like newspapers, magazines, TV, and radio. Right, billboards, etc. Explain to those that don't know, Jermaine, what does a digital marketer do uh, from a, you know, day-to-day? Day-to-day. Day-to-day, I would say the two most important things is finding inspiration. Because <laughs> there is, what? <laughs> you laugh. You said finding inspiration. No, for, yeah, finding inspiration. Um, It's marketing, right? And with marketing, I guess, like, that's exactly what you think about when you say, ah, th- that person does marketing. So you think it's, like, a, a visual or uh, some sort of thing like that. And to an extent, it is because the the type of marketing that I do, the creators are extremely important. So when I say creators, creators are the videos, are the images that the prospect, uh, a past customer would see. We have to make sure that those creators resonate with the audience. So um, as the campaign goes, right, I'm looking I'm looking at the data and that's another thing. That's now that's the thing that a lot of people mightn't get with our marketing. Marketing is a lot of data. Very data driven. Exactly. So every day I'm looking at the data and for me I think what I do is still different to what other 
other persons might do within a marketing company because my company is quite small. It's just me and one other person. And I, I because it's just the two of us, we have a lot of roles to play. But like just, let's say the data side of things, there can be people that are in a marketing form that does nothing with creatives. They only do the data and the um, analyzing of the data, right? So um, I'm doing data analysis every single day every single day is data and but every single day at the same time is looking for inspiration to go ahead and create new creators i don't create the creators myself uh we outsource that to a team that does that so they come up with they come up with the finished product we come up with the concept so that's where the inspiration comes in and we're watching the data every day and and testing testing is the next thing too so with the budget the budget is um split uh into different audiences are uh, different stages so for example most of the budget goes into prospecting but prospecting then is broken down into testing and also also um the, the proven creators, so the ones that I would call them the ones that graduated, so these are the ones that are tested, we car carry them into another campaign that has a bigger budget. So for example, if I'm spending for a client, if I'm spending like maybe two grand a day or something like that, um, that, that um, campaign where I'm spending the two grand, let's say... I'm spending fifteen hundred or sixteen hundred just on prospecting, and these these creators that graduate, uh, so are proven to have some sort of affinity with the audience. They go into that campaign, and only after graduating. So that's why the inspiration is so important because you're constantly testing, and during the test, a lot of creators don't um, graduate. So that's why you have to be constantly um, getting the inspiration as well to continuously test and then put them in the main campaign again the data side of it in terms of analyzing the numbers every day is analyzing numbers and then making decisions based on what the data tells you and that's a, i think one is one of the beautiful things about digital marketing because the the analytics are available immediately you can't really tell accurately how many people are reading a magazine or a newspaper or seeing a billboard and how it and how they react to it with digital marketing you know the click tells you exactly what their reaction was whether they didn't click on it or they clicked on it and bought whatever the product is i think it's fascinating yeah it's, it's, it's definitely the most i think the most significant uh thing about it in terms of being able to get all the data back right there and then to make the decision. So for example, like like you reference um let's say TV and newspaper magazines and, and those sorts of mediums, right? Um when you're using them, you could like I mean before before you even decide what creative you're gonna use, you're gonna look at past data, right? Because at some point, you, what what they're going to be looking at still too is the the return on the investment, right? So, for example, from like like big companies, they run hundreds of campaigns. They're looking at their best campaigns and looking at what the creatives were, what the messaging was, and then trying to create new campaigns or new creatives that's similar to that, but not because that worked. 
at that time so for example depending on how old that data is let's say you're looking at data that's two years ago maybe even a year ago that don't mean that that message will resonate the same way in in in, in today's present um um economy in terms of the the how things are impacted by events happening around the world for example covid you can't like just completely ignore covid right now and just um advertise the way you were advertising like two years ago if you understand what i'm saying oh no that, that actually was one of my follow-up questions uh i wanted you to comment on that but we, we're going right into it you know speak talk about the necessity of digital marketing in these times oh yeah big time, not even big an time. option anymore I mean, I don't even, like, yeah, it's definitely not an option. I don't think um, digital marketing should ever be an option, like, because, like, anything else, we have to evolve, and digital marketing is the evolution from the marketing that we know on the TV, radio, and those other mediums, and especially in, in COVID time as well, too, um, you don't have the budget. I think that's one of the, the most significant differences is that, Many businesses won't have the budget, and even businesses that had a budget, the impact that COVID would have had on them, it would significantly re reduce their budget as well too. So they won't, because the thing is, when you're when you're advertising, depending on what stage you're in in your cycle as a business, right? Your marketing activities are going to be either more expensive, reasonable, or cheaper. So, for example, a new business, your marketing activities are going to be hella expensive. People don't even people don't know who you are, what your brand represents, your solution. They don't know if you're legit or not. You know, so so you're you coming into a new business and marketing your business for the first time is going to be more experienced than the brand that's been um, in existence for even two years, right? Or maybe one year. The longer that you've been in business and you've been ethical and producing good services and good products, the easier your business becomes because then we have what we call warm and hot audiences, and these are the people that are already more familiar with your brand. So because these these people are already more familiar with your brand, they um, they resonate quicker and they trust more of what your brand or service offers because they have seen you before, maybe they've tried your product before, and they can say, they can validate within themselves that your product or service is legit. So to go back to the importance and in, in, in digital marketing not being an option, it's not an option because it's probably one of, especially the the platform or the the medium that we use, which is Instagram, Instagram and Facebook. Um, it's it's quite cheap right now at this present time. It's still cheap, but it won't be cheap forever because, like anything else, like. As as demand, as demand, 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 exactly as demand grows, supply dries up. So so it's gonna become more expensive. And anybody that's serious about business, like I mean, the thing is, right? With 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 with, with marketing, I feel like a lot of businesses are business owners. 
don't realize the significance of marketing. I think even me myself at one point in time, I didn't realize either. I thought, and this is something that I tell my clients, and this is why I'm so passionate about marketing because I used to think, Crispin, I used to think that having a business or let's say I used to think the evolution of a business or physical business was having a website. I wasn't thinking about marketing. I didn't realize the significance of marketing. I didn't realize that marketing and sales being an offense is the only way you're going to grow your business to the numbers that you want to see. And if you don't understand that, if you only think that being in the niche, having the website is going to get you traction. Oh man, you got another thing coming. Cause you have, you have to bring people to that website. Exactly. Exactly. It ain't, trust me, it ain't billing and they're going to come. It is far from that. Uh, and that's a, and that's a, a common phrase, isn't it? If you, <laughs> if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Nah, nah, maybe, 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 20, 30 years ago, but but not now because there's so much uh, static. There's so much competition, so much different brands that are competing on the same services, the same the same product. Um, product. Yeah. yeah. Great information. Great information. Jermaine, who are some of your clients? Well, I, I, I'm on NDA, so I can't really disclose um, any of my clients. So, I have ah. clients that the fitness industry okay i have i have clients that are in the drinks industry soft drinks um one has like um one is like like general general soft drinks like soft beverages like um like tonic water and that sort of stuff one is more like a solution base that is more under supplementation um who else we got we got another food brand as well too Con- um uh what do you call it consumables okay uh, who else we had a, we had um a hair care company but the, the owner he wasn't wasn't ready at at the time but uh my main my main companies um sorry the main clients that I work with are in fitness and in and soft drinks so a, a wide range of um, of products. That's very interesting. And is the approach? I'm assuming the approach is different for each industry. It approach the approach is definitely different. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's it's all about it's all about the market. Um, the market is all about um, the audiences. So the first thing, this is the next thing that that people won't think about. I mean. The average person won't think about when it comes to marketing is the research that goes into marketing as well too because marketing is a lot of research as well before you do anything because before you craft any message, you have to know who you're crafting your message to, you know? So Mm. do a lot of research and research is constantly happening Um, even like, like when as as the ads are running, like I'm looking at the feedback. What are people because again to sell marketing, people are commenting, they're saying things. So if the price is too much, um if they don't understand how something works, if they don't think the product is right, like you just have to like gather all of that that data and then make decisions in your messaging and your creative based on, on, on what the audience is saying. But even, like I say, before you even reach to that stage, you have to know who the audience is, which, like I say, requires uh, deep research. 
Um, the the fitness brand that you that you've built, at least one of them. Can you give yeah. us an idea of numbers, like where the brand was before digital marketing and and where the numbers are after? Yeah. So when they started, how much they were doing, boy? This one, this isn't one of like 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 my biggest clients or biggest spends because it also depends on how much the um the person, the owner of the business wants to invest. So they were at, well, I think they were just doing like between a thousand to two thousand, and within, uh, I think it was two months, we had them up to. Up to ten thousand a month. So, but their budget is smaller. One of the other brands, like like my best account, we are we are doing like um over two hundred thousand a month, and we are gonna be we're gonna be doing like multiple millions this year. In this company, when I started with them, they were at three thousand a month. Wow. When I yeah yeah, and now they're gonna be they are they are probably set to be one of um the UK's fastest growing companies. Wow. And and that's all are, and, and that's mainly because of digital marketing. Correct. Correct. I've been there I've been there from the inception. Like a lot of the systems that they have from email marketing to um the apps on the website in terms of um like like um our email campaign strategies, our um what you call that push notifications, mm-hmm. um upsells and all these things that happen in the back end. Um all the the, the, the recording uh, what you call that like the cause you can record sessions with an app called Hot Jar. Like all that stuff been my input. And 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 now we're 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 doing some heavy numbers and and we could push more but because no, like especially with COVID and health and stuff like that, they're in a health niche. We've been able to scale up even more, and it's new to them in terms of the the capacity that they're scaling at. That we're now just maintaining to 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 meet the demand because it's new for them as well too. But even at this projection, they will still hit multiple millions within this year. And you're able to advertise for companies worldwide. Yeah, worldwide. So it it doesn't even matter where your main market is, you could you know your audience could be can be in Australia and your main yeah. sitting in the UK can still reach the target audience in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly how it is. What a time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I'll say this: it, it 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 like I could I could speak about the figures and what's happening, but. Trust me, it didn't come easy. <laughs> like, it definitely took time, bro. Like, I've been doing this since uh, 2017, and it's taken me a while to, like, really understand it in the capacity that I know it in now. And there's still a lot that I can learn, and I'm still learning. Still learning, still learning. Like every day, every single day, I'm I'm listening to um stuff about marketing. I'm, I have one book that I listen to every single day and repeat, no fail. It's a marketing book. I listen to that book every single day because um I want to make sure that I'm not missing any strategies. And this is from the person, the person that um the who wrote the book. They they don't do products, they do services, but they hit uh nine figures, right? In two years. Wow. 
Wow. So they legit. Wow. <laughs> I be listening to their strategies like all the time, like all the time. No day passes that I'm not listening to their strategies. Do you do you see yourself being a teacher or an author on this subject in the future? Mm, I, I don't think so. A, t- um, a teacher, a teacher in terms of from my experience, well, you know, the, the, the Billy Jean type. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I love Billy Jean to be honest. Love him, love him. Um, like, yeah, very similar. I don't know if I'll be as funny as Billy Jean because he's quite hella funny and sporadic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, definitely sharing my experience, and and I'm doing a lot more of that right now too. I just started. Um, I just started to get more on the personal brand side of things. So, like, like, like I said, like I've been doing this for a while and. The difference between me and a lot of marketers, and I'm sure like a lot of young marketers that are doing digital marketing, and I'm sure you can probably hear from the way I speak, like I'm not doing this by theory. This is from practicality. Like like I've, I've spent a I've, I've few hundreds of thousands um, in digital marketing by this time now. And... And that's 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 how I I know exactly what I'm saying because it's a lot of practice day in day out. Some some days are quite stressful, especially when you're not getting the creatives to go in the direction that you want to. And, and it's a lot of work because, like I say, you're testing, test. It's like it's almost like music, you know. Like you could like when you put putting an album together, you could write several songs, but all the songs don't go on the album. Right. Right. But the money is still yeah. spent to record them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like it's the same same thing. Same thing. Money is spent to test the campaigns and then uh, test the creatives. And then if the creatives don't work, then you're testing more. Testing, testing, testing until you, you get some traction. And then when you get traction, you scale it. And even when you scale it, you have ad fatigue. So ad fatigue means that they're tired of the messaging and they're tired of the creative. So you need you know, particular messaging creative. So you, then you need to refresh that with new creatives and, and, and new messaging. So that's why it's always tested because to get the best results, you want to be able to, like as you see ad fatigue, you already have an arsenal of other creatives that already look are uh, proved to be winners. So then you want to promote them to the position where the other creators were that had a, bu- a bigger budget. Mm. Now, Jermaine, for the for the small-time businessman, I have a little rum shop. I have a little bar on the beach. I'm not quite in the position where I can afford a Jermaine Payne campaign. What can I do? What are small techniques that I, that can be applied for the average or the, the beginner in terms of digital marketing? What are some tips that you can give? Uh, I would say know, know your audience. The first thing is to understand your audience because that's that's really the most important thing to understand what are their wants, what are their desires, what problem can you solve for them, or what's your, um, your USP, your unique selling point. Um, so... And the best way to do that too is to ask those questions and then write it down. Like, write it down. You have to write these down, these things down because you have to be able to recall. You have to be able to go back to them because you have to be able to look at what your what your benefits are 
what 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 are your drawbacks what the customers are looking for and then and then constantly change your messaging because whatever whatever you find then you're going to create messaging or create creative so videos or images based on what you perceive that your customers want right and then when things don't work you're going back to the drawing board board and the drawing board is the information that you already have so it's not like you're recreating what those things are you can add but you want to definitely solidify what those things are so for example you have what 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 kind of business that you have let's say uh a beach bar a beach bar okay so you're on the beach so you know that's 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 definitely an advantage it might not be a unique selling point because that could be different um your unique selling point could be something on your menu it could be your staff for example so for example if it's if i'll give two examples if it's something on your menu your your drink you have a, a rum punch knock them out rum punch type of thing right <laughs> you want to create create his videos and images that that shows the First, you can show the presentation of how it looks. Like, 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 make sure like you sell the, the the desire for this person to first want to even try because they 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 get drawn into how how amazing it looks. And then secondly, you want to show like the, the 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 impact of it. Like, so for example, you want to show like the the the. The effects in terms of people now dancing and having a good time because they had a rum punch and it knocked them out and got them loose now. So they can now have a better time. They ain't so uptight as they were. They're more relaxed because, you know, alcohol does that to us. And you're selling the good time. You're selling that, ah, uh, the person tried our knock them out rum punch and now they're in the middle of the dance floor. I mean, they might have a dance floor. they running into the beach and just taking the biggest splash shot, like just having a good time, just having a good time and and, and, and depicting that image in your brand, in your your um, restaurant, that's something that people want to be associated with. So I'd say, like, if you can figure that out, like, once you figure that out, then you're kind of like replicating that and then another tip is like Crispin you got me giving away all the secrets nah, <laughs> I'm gonna leave it right there not too much that not too much because <laughs> <laughs> there's the, what I'll say is I'll say this much and I'll not get I'll not go into as much detail but then there's different stages that your customers are in and you need to understand how to craft messages for your customers based on where they are in your um, customer journey. So for example, um, if they are not coming for the first time, they, they've already been to the, to the restaurant, what's the reason for them to come back? If, they're, if, they're, if they're, they've been there two, three, four times, they are um, uh, patrons of your business, why do they want to come out? Uh, what are you doing special for them to keep them coming and for them to continue telling their friends about your business? Mm, indeed. In words of dropping dimes, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Crispin, trust me. I'm, I'm extremely passionate about marketing. Extremely passionate. I can because I can see how important that it is for businesses and understand how to market the right way is even more important because like I, I see a lot of things in Angola right 
and like as it relates to marketing and and i think a lot of things i've done wrong right but i, I don't i don't say anything and it shows how important it is to understand these things because then you're just wasting your effort when you're doing it wrong because a lot of people could say ah from what I've seen, right? A lot of people could say, ah, this don't work. Ah, they spend their money and things like that. And they thought they did a good job. But I could look at that campaign and it might be just a smile or something. I could tell, like, the messaging is just off. What are some of the common mistakes that clients make when approaching a digital marketer? Like, what are some of the do's and don'ts that clients should think about when they approach someone like you? Do's and don'ts. Okay, don't think that as a marketer, a digital marketer, regardless to how good the the marketer or the agency um, credentials are, don't think that this is a magical solution. Don't think like, okay, I'm going to Jermaine and Jermaine is just gonna make the like make my 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 um business. 10x or 20x in two weeks, two days, and two minutes. Don't what, think that. What do you mean? I'm not a millionaire yet. It's been a whole two days. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, a lot of owners, a lot of owners think that it's the marketer's rule to make their business good, but a marketer is just as good as the business to be honest so therefore if your business isn't good if you're if you don't have a quality product or service that people genuinely like uh, you're genuinely um solving problems that people need need solutions for if you're not doing that it's gonna be hard it's really gonna be hard um you have to already have the concept you have to already know that people love your service or you have to see the potential that 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 people people are liking your service and it can grow more and there's areas for you, the business owner, to tighten up and to make a better service or product that will help that will help your business that then turns around it helps any marketer that understands all the strategies. Because we can't sell crap. To be honest, like we just we can't sell crap, we can't make this stuff up because okay, so for example, by selling crap, right? We can sell crap, but then as your customer receives the service, are they gonna come back? It's like it's more expensive to get new customers than to maintain relationships. I'm sure you heard this before, than it is to maintain relationships with existing, with existing customers. customers. Yes, indeed. So you can't give us a shit product and then expect us to make magic from uh, a product that, that hasn't proven its concept mm. that so, makes to- that so, makes i'm sorry if, if, so sorry um so to, to to make sure it's clear i'm saying that business owners need to ensure that their business product or service is is legit in terms of they are putting in work to make sure that they are offering a good product as well that makes total sense. Dimes, Jermaine, dimes. <laughs> Jermaine, speak to speak to sacrifice as an as an entrepreneur. Bro, sacrifice is everything. I've been sacrificing. I think like even though 
I enjoy times in my life. I feel like I've been sacrificing a lot of like what I'd see other people doing. So like going out and being at the clubs and stuff like that. Like I think if it wasn't for for the band life, I probably wouldn't have. I, I might not have done any of that like as much as I have because um, I've been always thinking about about putting myself in a certain position which requires sacrifice really and um now my new thing like this 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 is a gem Crispin. this is the real gem the real gem and the way for anybody to accomplish any goals that they have is to have a routine have good habits um that's something that imagine i'm just figuring out and walking on like having good habits has expedite the amount of work productive work that i can do within a day just by knowing exactly when i'm supposed to do something what i'm supposed to be doing and doing it um and repeat just doing it from a subconscious level because i do it as a habit and i'm building habits so like 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 I'm not perfect, so it's something that I'm working on, but I think that helps a lot, and even that within itself is a sacrifice, because we have bad habits, and a lot of, pe- a lot of people are unaware of the bad habits that they have, so so when you're doing, uh, when you're building, when you're building good habits, you're sacrificing the things that you're accustomed of, and the things that we are accustomed of might come after come off as things that pleasure us you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so so when you're building good habits so for example i'll give you an idea of my morning routine for two hours or something like that when i wake up i go inside of um i have a gratitude journal right i write inside of my gratitude journal after i finish my gratitude journal i read what's my mission statement have a life statement i read that then after that i meditate now all of these things to me when i was when i was younger these things sound extremely boring like i would never thought that i'd be doing these things i'm like sucking my teeth like what meditate a gratitude journal like you know, like, cause I think I think a lot of people look at these things and frown at them. So I meditate. After I meditate, um, I exercise. I do like um. No, I watch. I, there's something called a mind movie. Um, so it's like a lot of mental work before I get into my day. So I do a mind movie. This mind movie, like, is basically like a reflection of where you see yourself where you're looking at somebody else but you're thinking about yourself in their position right so i um look at a mind moving after that i do some stretches some light stretches and then after that i go do some push-ups after the push-ups then i go bed then i come back and i start my day and then once i've done that whole routine I mean, and that's part of my, my routine and habits. After I do those things, then I go into a next set of habits for my work day. And all of these things are written out as well, too, in terms of how my day is going to flow. So for example, the inspiration. I always start off the day doing two things when it comes to work. Doing, I do the inspiration. I try to look for like the new ideas that's going to help me to send to the creative team to um, create new creatives and and then after I do that I um, get into 
whatever my biggest task is for the day. So eat a frog first. I do whatever my biggest task is, and then after I do that, then it's the flow of whatever else have to happen. Some of my clients, I would say they probably think I'm the worst person with emails because I really don't get to emails until the end of the day because I don't want to be bombarded with, with, with stuff like emails that are like kind of more like management than doing the things that are going to really shift the needle because if I'm just corresponding with you constantly when am i actually doing the stuff that are getting you the results to make you even want to correspond with me correct you know so that's 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 kind of how my day is and uh when it comes to sacrifice like i've sacrificed a lot in terms of a social life based on what i want for myself and like the way my life is right now as well too i can't say that i regret it because i am so happy in terms of where i see myself going the things i am aware of um so in the end even though it's a sort of sacrifice like for me it has turned to a reward as well too and that's and that's the key right at the end of the day yeah definitely 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 but yeah, there'll, there'll definitely be sacrifices. And if, if if you go about it the right way, because the thing is, too, with sacrifices, you don't, you don't have to punish yourself or look at it as a punishment. You have to look at the goal. What's your goal, you know? Because the reward is going to come at the end. And even during the process, there's things that you could do to reward yourself as well, too. So, for example, like, you accomplish something, you're, you're being good with your habits and stuff like that, reward yourself with anything that you want. If you love a particular drink, wine, food, um, um, some sort of, of like, um, like, you know, some kind of outdoor activity that you love to do, like do those things when you hit those goals too, so that it's not like it's extremely strenuous and like you're miserable within your life because you don't have no fun. It's not like that, but compared to like you know we have so much examples of people examples of people that are only rewarding themselves they do whatever they want anything that's exciting sign them up they're constantly doing it you know but then we don't know what what's happening behind the closed doors for that person in terms of how satisfied that person actually is because that could be escapism at the same time too running from things that um that's bothering them you know what i'm saying yeah. so we really don't know good points good points that's the gem <laughs> <laughs> what advice do you have after all of your experience the culmination of the hospitality the band life the uh, beginnings of digital marketing, the real estate. What advice do you have for that entrepreneur that's thinking about starting a business? What's the one key thing that entrepreneurs need to know before taking the leap? Ooh. I'll be very honest with you. I have to be cheeky here. Cheeky is a UK English phrase for saying that I'll be a bit naughty because I feel like it isn't just one thing, but I can, I if I have to limit it to a few things, I'll say two things, right? The first thing is believe. Believe that you can achieve whatever it is that you are setting out to do. So believe that, right? Believe. 
believe, 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 believe. And the the second thing would be to be persistent. No, actually, let me get three things. I was trying to, but now I realize it has to be three. So <laughs> the next thing would have, have to be to be persistent. You, you got to be persistent in, in whatever it is. No, actually, I don't want to put persistence number two. I want to put it number three. Number two is going to be to specialize. Do one thing. Don't try. So, for example, look how much different things I've been doing. If I had to stick to, to one thing, I, I might have been a millionaire by now. If I had to stick to one thing. But clearly, you've seen that I've been in the music. I've been in hospitality. I've been... um doing the, the real estate, trying to do the GPS, trying to do the social media marketing um, at an earlier age. If I had just stick to one thing, believe in that one thing. Now, this is a great statement. So if I had done one thing, believe in that one thing, and stay consistent with that one thing, I probably would have been out of Angola a long time and super millionaire. <laughs> Well, conversely, you know, sometimes if you stick to that one thing, you know, it's like Kenny Rogers says, God rest his soul, you know, you got to know when to hold up or when to fold up. Sometimes that one thing may not be that thing for you. True, true. So I guess it comes with experience as well, too. When I say experience in terms of, okay, so, you know, it's quite debatable at the same time, too, because... I'm refuting what you're saying to an extent, and I'm thinking about something else as well. So here's my two examples. One, right, you you might have to grow into what you love, and to find what you love, you have to test the waters, right? As they say, you have to test the waters. So when you test the waters, you find out what you love. But then sometimes that might be multiple things. Now, I'm not saying that people can't do multiple things, but before you can try to do multiple things, get really good at one thing. So you get good at that one thing, and after you're good at that one thing, then you could delve into other things because maybe after you build that one thing, you have a whole team behind you where you could allocate resources. You can't really, you can't stretch yourself thin, like because the more you stretch yourself thin, the more ineffective you become. So that's one reason why you need to focus on one thing. In another example of focusing on one thing from a young age, look at like somebody like LeBron James. How much different things do you think LeBron James did? Like from, I know he played football at a young age, but also he was playing basketball, but he had to choose. And he'd been pay, playing basketball from the time he was, I think, from a young age, but then I think he narrowed it down to only basketball from like 16 years old or 15 years old, somewhere down there. And he's only been doing basketball. And who is LeBron? James today, even Kobe Bryant, may his soul rest in peace. Like, I was studying Kobe hard before he passed away. Like, I didn't realize this guy was so phenomenal. You want to talk about a what work ethic and specializing in your craft? Kobe didn't do anything else but eat, sleep, breathe basketball. And who is we all know who Kobe is. Like, like, unfortunately, he passed when he passed, man. That's out of hearts because a lot of people can resonate to his work ethic and specialization. He 
Kobe, Kobe said, like, when, when the kids of his age, matter of fact, I'll, uh, quickly, I'll talk about, um, like, an uh, uh, so, uh, example he gave in one of his interviews. He said when he started playing basketball, he was playing basketball in Italy because he was raised in Italy with his family. And when he went over to America, he was trash. Like, everybody was, like, running over him, trampling and stuff like that. And he said he made a hit list. And he, from that list, he was determined to overcome, surpass all these people, all these other athletes, basketballers that was better than him. And one by one, Kobe stick to his craft and became better than everybody else. When people were in the cafeteria eating food, Kobe was in the um, basketball state in, in, in the basketball in the gym room. He was practicing, 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 practicing. And he said he, he surpassed everyone on, on his hit list and he became the number one um, basketball player in America, like like so at high at at the high school level, he was number one within like three years. Wow. So it goes to show how important it is to, to focus on one thing, and that's my thing right now as well too. I'm not like you can't convince me to do anything other than marketing. I am only doing marketing. I hear you. I hear you, Jermaine. Tell us about the importance of building generational wealth. Mm. <laughs> big topics, Crispin. You got me on some big topics. How oh, you know I can handle these sorts of questions? Man, you're a big thinker. <laughs> <laughs> generational wealth, man. Let me tell you. There's the generational wealth that you're talking about, but I'm on a different kind of generational wealth right now, which stems around education, because I think that education is so important when it go back to the habit building and the routines and that sort of stuff because some of that is education as well too and I'm not just talking yeah, about formal education because formal education is great as well too but I'm talking about the, the, the habits that I didn't grow up with that's generational as well too I didn't, my, like growing up I would say my grandmother because I was raised by my grandmother my grandmother habits to me were forced on her based on what she had to do within her day but for me I want to teach my kids the importance of farming good habits because the success is in the habits success is in the habits and if my kids could learn good habits from a young age whatever they decide to do whatever business model because they're gonna be in business because I'm gonna plant that in their head. So they're gonna they're gonna be owners. They're not gonna work for anybody. They can work like growing up and like getting experience. But when they're at a certain age, I know they're gonna have the ambition to own whatever it is, whatever field they're in, right? And I believe that from the good habits that they learn. As children, they'll be able, and I'm not, when I say the good habits, because sometimes that could be loose. We're talking about the habits that I was talking about earlier in terms of the gratitude and setting your day, the mindset, um, sticking to one thing, um, having the routine, like those sort of things. Like, I'm going to make sure that that's part of their life. And from that foundation, whatever they try to do, they're going to be successful at, they're going to teach their kids the same things and their kids are going to be successful at it because if you do not know how you got there how can you pass that on to somebody else how can you pass that on to your kids so you have to be aware 
of what got you in that position in order for you to pass that on to somebody else. And, and for me, that's the generational wealth because it's the habits that are gonna, are gonna dictate, uh, manage how you utilize your time in a day because everybody could, everybody has the free will to use their time however they choose, but it don't mean it's productive. And we were already, I mentioned about eating the frogs, so starting your day by doing the most important thing. Like they're going to be constantly moving the needle because they know that if whatever they decide to, to do, if, if they're going to be basketball players or a basketball player, uh, if let's say I have a girl and she decides to be a ballerina or anything like that, she knows that every every afternoon after school or every weekend as she wakes up, she's supposed to put in two, three hours on her craft and do that before she does anything else. So she's constantly moving the needle. Who or what inspires you, Jermaine? Who inspires me? I'd say that I'm not inspired by I'm not inspired by things that are kind of conventional and quite regular. Um, I love people that are balanced and not just balanced in terms of the way they spend their day but what they spend their day on um people that are successful in business people that are successful raising their kids people that are successful in spirituality people that are deep thinkers risk takers and not just again from a business um point of view but from a spiritual in humanity like uh growth and evolution of themselves and wanting to see the best for others like you can't you can't bring a horse or a donkey to the well and make it drink the water but if you see there's opportunity and uh there's potential i should say and someone else and and you can help them i love to see the people that are they, they're already in a certain place they're experts and they're whatever they have all the accolades in the world but yet they are unselfish and they're givers trying to give back to others to raise the consciousness of our planet because as each one of us becomes a better human being we make the experience we make our own experiences better and we make the experiences of others better and i think that 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 for me inspires me when i see people that are not just fixated on one thing which is the financial gain because people can attain financial gain and be empty and miserable like the most miserable people you've ever came across you one wonder if they really have money if they're really rich you know what i'm saying but then there's these people that have that and they're so zen and bubbly and sharing it and like like want to see other people get on that level because you have the people that have it and don't talk about it you don't know but if they have it and they don't help others then how can we raise the vibration at a level of awareness for others to live better lives because everybody want to live a better life nobody can tell me that they want to stay stagnant they want to stay in the same position that they've been in for the last 10 years you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like there's within us as as human beings there's an evolution in terms of 
we want to go up or not go up or not you get better at this and when i say get up get better at this i mean like you may have your goals right but then as you accomplish those goals you can set new goals like nobody nobody is gonna be satisfied just being stagnant like okay i wanted to make ten thousand ten thousand dollars a month i made ten thousand dollars a month now i'm gonna stay at making ten thousand dollars a month no you might have goals in different um aspects of your life so maybe your family maybe spirituality maybe you want to do things that you're really passionate about um passion projects maybe you you were when you were younger you sail boats and you haven't sailed boats in years and you know the next this next phase in your life you just want to go on a world tour like like babe uh wife wifey i for the next three to six months i want to do this part of my life i want to fulfill this part of my life i want to do this passion i know it might seem like hard to tell a wife that because she's like you're gonna leave me here with the kids and blah blah blah, blah, blah. but like to me I, I like people i like to see um relationships and family dynamics that reach on that level that allows individuality within the relationship so for example whatever that person want to do i have to for, for example me in my life and my partner and whatever ambition partner has i have to be i have to be mature enough to to respect that person's personal ambitions as well too and, and the same for me you know understood just dropping gems here today ladies and gentlemen <laughs> um here's here's a good question for you you give a lot of you've given a lot of advice and you give a lot of advice but what is the <clears throat> best piece of business advice that you've ever received business advice i've received the best business advice that I have received is to walk in teams, I think, because I'm a guy, Crispin. I got I got a lot of drive, a lot of go. I used to try to do everything on my own. And <laughs> but I can't say that I it, it took me a while to realize that, well, you ain't gonna get too far on your own. You know? Right. They say if you want fast, go by yourself, if you wanna go far, go with others, uh words never spoken man like that's that's really what it is like if you want to go far you got to go there with others like i i used to try to do everything on my own crispin like everything like uh think about it um plan it execute it and optimize it whatever i was trying to do too much so yeah that 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 jermaine has died like i ain't <laughs> do anything on my own and I'm, i could actually recommend a book for that it's called the emit like anybody that's in business that hasn't read that book the emit as yet should read that book like i put people onto that book and they thank me all the time like that book is a jam big jam when it comes to building systems teams and that sort of stuff that's where it's at the emit which leads me to my next question interestingly enough you are an avid reader what are some of your favorite books my favorite books um I don't know you know to or, be or honest, books that you really let me, drawn inspiration from yeah so like let me tell you what books I'm reading right now cause like even though I'm reading them right now I think I think they're quite high I've read some of them before um but these books I guess it, maybe it's like where you are in your journey 
Mm-hmm. that makes the book so for example there could have been books that i've read in the past and were, and i thought they were really good but now where i'm at now i feel like these resonate more so let, let me talk about the books that i'm reading now so for example one of the books is um think and it is given no act sorry acts and it is given that's a really 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 phenomenal book love it it's um like it says it's like think about this as like manifestation uh think about whatever it is that you want your desire and it not it ain't gonna come to your all hokey pokey or whatever right but you have to what they say you have to be in alignment with whatever that desire is and you have to make sure that you're not saying that that's what you want but you're also thinking about other things and drawing other things as well towards you so for example like again going back to specialization like you can't say ah i want to make i want to make ten thousand dollars a month right but then you're thinking about going out to the parties you're thinking about um other things that don't necessarily help where your goal is. So you're thinking about them and maybe you're thinking about the frustration of not being able to do that. So are you really set on your goal of becoming, uh, making 10,000 and doing things that are aligned with that, making that 10,000? Are you kind of focusing on how upset and the sacrifices you are making to get it, but you're not there yet and you're kind of in a place where you're upset and like like um can't even think of the world right now but you're just not 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 satisfied with with where you are that's one book um another book is high performance habits oh my goodness this book is gold high performance habits it's a really really good book the name says what it's about it's about high um it's about habits and habit building um the importance how how do they work um they use a lot of references of uh successful people um sports people big um business owners these these sort of things um really good book strong on routines and habit building uh another book that I am reading right now currently is and I'm reading all these books kind of like at the same at the same time when I said right. so like um lunch time I'm reading one book as I prepare lunch um when I go to walk not walk when I go to walk because I haven't been walking up no I just like go and exercise walking have a walk or hour walk and I'm listening to one book at a time, and then when I'm cleaning up the dishes at night, um, yes, I still do chores. I'm cleaning, washing <laughs> dishes of the night, and I'm listening to a book at that time. So, like, three different books I'm listening to within a day. Um, next book is is um, You Were Born Rich by Bob Proctor. Awesome book. Similar to Accent It Is Given. So, Again, habits and routine because, like, for me, the habits and routine is so um, so important. And I, what I'm doing right now is looking for books that that shows me evidence of the success of having good habits and routines. So that's another one of those. Um, what other book do I have? The Emit. I'm still listening to the Emit. I've I've read the Emit several times before, but. It's one of those books that um listening to all the time. Another book that I listen to now, this is my lunchtime book. Every every time I'm preparing 
preparing lunch. I'm listening to uh, this new book by this author, Russell Brunson. This is the marketing stuff. So this is from um, the marketer that I told you did in his new business, did nine nine figures in two years, right? Nine figures in two years. Um, his book that he just released recently, Traffic Secrets, amazing book. Um, listening to that book. And all these books, the reason why I could download all these books is because I'm listening to them on audiobook. So it's not like I'm actually reading. So I'm listening to these books as I do things. So that's Traffic secrets and i'll give you guys another marketing book that is very dear to me and these i I listen to these books but i have the physical hard copies on my desk as well right next to me um cash advertising cash advertising is i mean you hear what i say cash advertising like the name itself (laughs) like like tells you what this is like this book like when it comes to crafting your message and understanding how to speak to your audience, like I think there's there's one other book I haven't gotten it as yet of 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 listen to snippets of it. It's like the book costs like maybe like a grand. It's a book, you know, and it costs like a grand. Um, it's um what is it? It's um by Eugene Schwartz. Can't remember the name of it off the top of my head right now. It should. If I'm a marketer, it should. <laughs> But um, yeah, that book, I don't have that book as yet, but this book, this cash advertising, it's really, really good when it comes to marketing and understanding exactly not just what to say, but how to say to evoke an action because these people, when they were when they were crafting their messages, they were using direct mail. And, and if you know about direct mail, direct mail is when you send out the, the, the letter in a post. Physical. And then, yeah, yeah. So you know how good you gotta be to like warrant the person on the other side to like go and flow them credit card or whatever. No, no. I think it's like at that time it would be like cash. So like you have to like um, fill out your address and all that stuff. Uh, put the money back in the envelope and then send out the um, send return it. So you gotta go out to your way to go to the post office to send C- it back. Cod was it cash on delivery? Was it? <laughs> no, not nah. This ain't cash on delivery. It just it's just that in order to get it because this ain't like you go online and you just click 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 in your auto. You know what I'm saying? You have to, if if somebody is advertising for you, like you know, back in the day when you had like the magazines and they were offering things, and then like maybe on the the bottom of the page on the right hand corner, got the information you need to follow to send it back to the company, and then the company will send you the product. Yes, indeed. That yeah. So you have to fill that out, put your money inside of it, and then go to the post office and send it back to the company, and then they send you the product. These are the people who who I learn um, my 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 copy copywriting from. That's what you call it. It's copy. Um, so the copy is basically your messaging, and your messaging influences um, the, 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 the the decision making process. Are it, it intrigues the desire of the of the prospect, and and that's the next thing with marketing. Marketing is a lot of psychology. Marketing isn't just like like a pretty thing. Like like just. Being creative is it's far from just being creative. There's a lot of psychology, human psychology that's in it because you have to understand what evokes um, people's people's desire. Emotions. To, emotions, yeah. You have to understand how, what evokes people's emotions to make them decide to purchase with you. So marketing, like I say, is a lot of psychology, heavy, heavy human psychology. Mm. 
What's your next big project? Uh, I'd say my next big project is my personal brand. Uh, so I've recently launched my website. I'm, I'm kind of doing some things that like just all quiet and and quiet for a marketer. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> um, like I'm positioning things before I really start to like really hit the ground. So like proof of concept, I know that I, I know that I'm a good marketer. Like I don't need somebody to tell me that I'm a good marketer. I know that I'm a good marketer, but I'm building my brand up so that I already like have content for you who don't know me at all so that you can realize that ah oh, this person might know what he's saying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm building there and, and, and building the assets in terms of the information, the nuggets, the gems that, that people, prospects or prospective clients would need from me in order to leg legitimize within themselves that they want to speak with me, you know, but from, because I, I want to, I want to want to go on a broader perspective in terms of teaching people to do what I do and not just not just doing what I do for brands so uh, uh, I want to position myself and create products where you can buy buy my products and learn to do it for yourself so that you don't have to pay big fees to somebody else like myself to, to have them do it for you and I mean nothing is wrong with paying somebody but one is always good for you to know so that you can know if this person knows what they're doing or not. I mean, the results will always will tell, but you could, like, before you even go to hire them, you could listen to their conversation and know if they, they know what they're saying or not, you know? So, I want to be able to help people on a larger scale, and especially people um, from in, in the Caribbean and Anguilla, like, where, where marketing isn't as I'd say, the, the the principles of marketing aren't heavily distributed and recognized and and are taught in in, in, in communities like that, especially especially like like smaller islands, especially like Anguilla. I, I should say Anguilla because I'm more familiar with what I see in Anguilla, and if I could help people understand that i feel like that'll be like my one of my contributions to helping our society become a better place because with with marketing and if you have a business where you're you're allowing yourself to provide for yourself so you 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 have the marketing the marketing um creates the the, the revenue the revenue Minus your expenses turns to profit. Whatever you do with your profit is your business, but at least you have the means to generate money for yourself, for your family, um, and whatever you whatever you decide to do with it, whatever your pleasures are. So, what is what is your ultimate goal at the end of all this? And you you're sitting back, as I like to say, on your rocking chair at the age <laughs> of eighty five. What would you like to look back and say, I did that. That was my ultimate goal, and that is what I've done. What is the that? Uh, I know you think this is a... a, a, a it is. It is a, a, a great question. It's a great question because some people look at life like that, right? But as, as, I, as I continue to evolve, I don't even look at life like that anymore, to be honest. Like, I help a few people. I'm happy with that. 
Like, honestly, I'm genuinely happy with that. Um, so back my, to that. Huh? No, so, so then that is your that, the, to help people. Right, but, but, yeah, to help people, but I want to help myself too, and not in like a greedy, negative way or anything like that, but I want to, like, my goal, my one of my biggest goals for myself would be, like, to be like this, almost like a monk, very zen and just happy and extreme. Like, I mean, I'm happy with myself right now. I'm very happy. Um, but like, like happy and doing things that I love to do, whatever they are. So like, you know, like traveling, rollerblading, like, you know, some simple, simple, simple things. So not just the giving back and making the world a better place or whatever, but things that satisfy me to my core. So like, let's say, let's say I, I achieve financial freedom, right? Like, like big time financial freedom. Like sometimes I find myself like the band life. That's been a big part of my life. Sometimes I find myself, um, listening to old stuff that I recorded. Right. And, or even music from other bands back then. Right. And if I could, say that okay this weekend uh this day like yeah this day today is monday i ain't doing diddly squat for anybody i just want to listen to some better band some jam band and myself and enjoy my time reminiscing on the music from then like i'll be extremely happy with that as well too so it's not like it ain't like I have like you know some some of us have some really huge goals to give back to humanity, and like say I think mine mine is nice mine is like to help people through marketing, but ultimately, I I just I just want to enjoy myself, and I hope that by me accomplishing and enjoying myself, people can resonate with it and say shit. I just want to enjoy myself too. Mm. Love it, love it. So, Jermaine, this is a section. Yeah. This is a section of the interview where I strap on my spacesuit and I jump out into the atmosphere and I leave you on the planet alone. The floor is yours. <laughs> Whatever you want to say to those listening to Planet Thirty or those on Planet Thirty, I should say, please. Any words? All right. So, first of all, Crispin, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to be on Planet Talk. First of all, I think um, thank you for being what here. Doing, <laughs> yeah, what, what you're doing is, is is really is really good. Um, you, I think you do a really good job at selecting the the guests. Um, I think the guests have some very intriguing stories to tell that a lot of people can of all walks of life can learn from and my story is no different i hope that people listening to this podcast today would have been able to resonate with some of the things that i said learn some of the tips in marketing that we spoke about um like what i said just now realize that it's okay to not want to necessarily change the world but ensure that you within yourself you're satisfied with everything you've done and what you are doing and that you're not you're not uh you're not putting 
disrupting uh doing anything that's negative to someone else's life for for your own gain because that's not what life is about so in terms of like me when i was competitive in terms of um the music in the band and oh nobody couldn't say nothing about my band blah 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 i hope that <laughs> people can realize that it ain't about competition but it's about collaboration and that our time here and art for me personally at least isn't really measured by what I've done for others but what I've done for myself and if I'm happy with that then I'm happy to go I'm happy to leave I ain't ready to leave now but <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll be very satisfied to know that you know I I, I, I I took my risk I took my big risk like I, I left Anguilla like not knowing exactly I thought I knew what would have happened but didn't have a clue and I've made it this far and now that I've made it this far I've, I'm, I'm enjoying everything the things that I didn't like the things that I like now and the things that are yet to come so the things that I'm building and I really hope that you guys enjoy this view I have and again Crispin thanks for having me not a problem we went through a bevy of questions in this podcast but the most the most important question but the most important question is going to be asked right now what? what? Christian, you taking me? <laughs> I thought he was done. You take me on a real loop there. <laughs> no, this is the most important question for a marketer. Okay. What is your contact information? <laughs> All right, cool, cool. That's that's an easy one. You should have asked me that first. So you can, <laughs> you, you can find me. You, you, it's easy. Any device you're on, my name is Jermaine Payne, J E R M A I N E, Payne, P A Y N E dot com. Yeah. Jermaine Payne dot com. Jermaine, uh, we would like to thank you for being here on the planet. You dropped tons of gems. You, I mean, the knowledge is just piling up at this point. And I think this is going to be helpful for. New entrepreneurs and anyone who is interested in marketing their business. JermainePayne.com. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Planet 30. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at OnPlanet30. Like us on Facebook.com slash Planet30. Our email address is OnPlanet30 at gmail.com. That's O-N-P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y at gmail.com. For more information about Planet 30, visit our website, planet30.com. That's P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y dot com. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30.